Okay, so Pastor Mike, now that our expectations are up. Yes. <laughs> Overpromise. Now I'm about to underdeliver right here. We um, we are here to hear about the other perspective. I have another perspective. <laughs> And I would just like to begin by asking you, uh, we know that there are certain commands of scripture, there are certain instructions for women and for men. And we read verses like Ephesians 5.25 that exhort men to love their wives as Christ loves the church. And then we see things like in 1 Corinthians 7.33 where Paul talks about men and the fact that they'll need to be pleasing to their wives. And we think loving us as Christ loves the church, pleasing us, how come we're not seeing enough of that? Those are verses we'd (laughs) hope that you wouldn't read so often. Yes. Like what's with that? Why don't we? Yeah. Why Mm. why are we not seeing men wanting to please us the way we think they should? Well, I do think... Men want to please their wives. No. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I think more than you give us credit for. I really, really believe that. And even the non-Christians will say things like, happy wife, happy life. And there is something fundamentally basic and true to that. And, And if you want the other perspective, which you've challenged me to bring you today, thank you so much for that challenge. It's going to get me in trouble. I, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that uh, a lot of times men have a trouble pleasing the women in their lives, not just in their marriages, but their daughters, their mothers, their coworkers. Um, oftentimes, because we're not really clear what it is that would please you, we have trouble with that. <laughs> and as I often say, uh, women need to work hard to to state their desires clearly. I say it a lot, marital counseling, I say it a lot in a lot of contexts, to state your desires clearly. I say that even in in our prayer lives toward God. And when I'm up on the platform preaching about prayer and I talk about stating your requests and making it clear, I often have a gender in mind and it's not males. Yes, Uh, because it's difficult, it seems, uh, for women because they would love to have us read your minds, which we're not good at. Mm -hmm. We We don't do that well. Uh, I know you want us to, to think a few steps ahead. We're very simple, right? We may accomplish a few things in the world, but we're not that complex. And, and we would like to please our wives. I just think that's a fundamental, basic truth. If, if I know what would make, you know, our, our, you know, my assistant happy today, my coworkers happy, my wife happy, my daughter happy, my mother happy, and they said, hey, here's, here's would you do this for me, Mike? I, I, I think me, like most men, would be all over that. Sure, absolutely. I want you to be happy. And um, it, it's, it's true. So I, I think we need to get better <clears throat> at stating very clearly what we want, not but hinting. We read books, magazines, watch movies. The romantic Well, there's your problem men. right there. That's the biggest men problem. Men that really love us, they just know what Those we are script want. writers that, that write all that. It's true. But why should we have to tell you yes, what we want? Because we're dumb <laughs> and simple and not complex. You should see the way guys interact with each other where when your guys aren't looking. If we want something, we ask each other for stuff. <laughs> Clearly. And we state it. And that just needs to happen more often. 
And I just think that's the challenge. And I think you need to understand, you want my perspective, having dealt with a lot of folks that deal with women in their marriages, in their relationships, it just, it would be so much more helpful to have a clear, strategic, resolved commitment to say, here's what I would like. And, and sometimes stating that helps to adjust even what we're asking for. Mm -hmm. Just as I, I was preaching a couple weeks ago and prayer came up in the topic, I forget what it was, and I think we went to uh, Philippians 4 about making a request known to God. And, and I made the statement, and it's true in my own life, I see it in praying to God and telling him what I want. The, the more I get clear about, uh, here's what I want, sometimes I think that's a dumb thing to want or that's a selfish thing to want, or that's not really what I should want. And so it starts to adjust even my own life. And I made the statement, certainly in our relationship with God, who's perfect, and our relationship with human beings are not, certainly in your relationship with all the men in your life are not perfect. But in my relationship with the perfect God, I, I recognize that God is having me adapt my desires and my will to really what it should be, and more in line with what he wants. And I think stating our desires clearly, and thinking about stating our desires clearly, it, it helps to adjust even what I'm asking for. Changes my, my thoughts. And then you might recognize the things I intuitively expect these men to do for me, if I really stated it or talked about it or wrote it down in a journal, here's what I want. You might say, wow, that's really not what I would counsel other people to want from the men in their lives. Mm -hmm. It just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't seem right. Not that a lot of it isn't. It's just that I think articulating it has a lot of benefits to it. Hmm. Well, what about when we feel like our desire is a good desire and we do state it clearly and our husbands aren't as great as you are and <laughs> let's say we don't get the desires that we state so clearly. And you, they don't respond right. Well, yeah. okay. Every relationship you have is a fallen relationship. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them. We're trying very hard, if we're Christians, to have relationships that are much, much better than average. But especially between men and women, you've got to go back to the fundamental starting point after the fall. All these things in Genesis 3, in the curse, get around to all the problems we're going to have at work, you know, thorns in the ground, uh, you know, our relationship with our enemy, Satan. And then it gets around to the relationship of men and women. And it speaks about the fact that women are... It, they're going to desire, here's how the ESV translates it, their desire is going to be contrary to their husband, and yet their husband will rule over them. So here's this very strange arrangement of things, which speaks to so much that God reveals later about the complementarian roles that we have. Uh, and when it comes to church leadership or it comes to the home leadership, God is certainly has complementary roles in that. But that passage says there's going to be something fundamentally skewed in in the desires in a relationship between a husband and wife and men and women in general. And I think we need to recognize that not everything that, that we desire um, is going to be realized, even if you had a perfect husband. Mm -hmm. Think about that. We say, I want my husband to love me like Christ loves the church. Well, how many things do you ask Christ for and he doesn't do it? How many things does Christ, you say, if you love me, you would do this. And then you find out three years later, that was a dumb thing for me to ask for because I was so mature in asking for that. I'm glad God didn't give me everything I wanted. Uh, Christ loves us perfectly and he makes us wait and he takes things away from us and he makes us suffer and he puts us through trials. And yet I want a husband or I want a boss or I want a friend that's going to do everything I want them to do. Uh, it's not going to happen that way. It's the same exact arrangement of words in Hebrew in Genesis 3 as it is in Genesis 4 when it speaks of Cain. Uh, God is speaking to Cain and says, be careful. 
sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, right? There's that problem of that, that, that there's, there's a battle of the wills. And yet even in that passage, but you, you, you must conquer it, you must rule over it. That idea of recognizing the, the disparity that's going to take place between men and women. I just think we need to realize that. It's like playing basketball with a, with a bad knee. You need to put a brace on it. You need to be very careful. You need to favor that. And that means you're not out there acting like I got two good knees playing basketball this afternoon. You have one bad knee and it started in the garden and it's going to be an issue of desires between men and women, husbands and wives in particular. It'll be highlighted there, exacerbated in a marriage. But that's just how we're gonna have to function in a fallen world. Hmm. Well, you brought up complementarianism. I don't know if everybody knows what that means. You want me to explain that? Sure. Okay. <laughs> you, you could explain it as well as I could. But uh, yeah, there are two views about men and women's roles. And someone's got a car alarm that's going off a couple of times. <laughs> and even if we can't fix who that is, we can shut that door and that might help us not think about the car in the parking lot. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, or if that sounds like your horn, which sounds like everyone's <laughs> horn, it doesn't matter. We've got AAA on standby for you. Wow, that's coming through that door, isn't that, it? That's It didn't help any at yeah. all. Hmm. Complementarianism. I guess someone doesn't want us to hear this. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yes. Maybe. There we go. Thank there you, you go. Jesus. <laughs> Egalitarianism and complementarianism, two ways to look at the relationship between men and women. And unfortunately, the word egalitarianism sounds so much better because egalitarianism comes from the word equal, and that's what we want. Right. But it has nothing to do with the equality of men and women in Christ or in Scripture, because men and women are equal in Scripture. We have equal worth, equal value, and we, are, we equally express the um, image of God. All of that is equal. But <clears throat> complementarianism and egalitarianism is, is an issue of roles. It really is, is describing the roles in men and women's relationships, in particular in the church and in the home. And that is that we don't have equal roles. We have complementary roles. We have different roles. You could say equal roles or different roles. That's the difference between egalitarianism and complementarianism. And we're saying uh, in a nice way, I guess, just because they're different doesn't mean they're not both equally important. Christ is no less the King of kings and Lord of lords and worthy of all of our worship and praise and has all power and all authority just because he's submissive to the Father, just because he sees a different role than he has in the, in the, in the Godhead than the Father. And you know, having studied this extensively in terms of evangelical feminism, that, that ha you necessarily have to destroy the relationships in the Trinity to come to a place of egalitarianism in the church and in the home. There is no egalitarianism in the Godhead when it comes to their roles. Jesus said, I don't do anything. I don't see the Father doing it, right? He's submitting himself completely to the Father. Even when he receives the kingdom in 1 Corinthians 15, he delivers it over to the Father. There's this, there's this submission in roles, the distinction in roles between the Father and the Son and that kind of, of, of relationship we call egalitarianism. So God says, as much as we may not like it, and you're gonna have a lot of feminists, secular and Christian, shouting in your ear that this is a dumb distinction. Well, you can call it dumb all you want, but that's what the Bible sets up. It roots it in creation, and it says that's the way it's supposed to function in your home and in the church, and if you wanna buck that, I mean, 
We both have studied this extensively. Uh, you do that to your own peril. You do that to your own risk. You do that to, to I would say, trepidation on, on Judgment Day, because you're going to stand before God and have to answer for what is very clear in his word. So we have distinctive roles, and uh, we should get comfortable with that uh, and recognize that that is the way God would have us function in relationships. Well, if we are equal in value, why do we feel that men don't value us as they should? I mean, you know, again, in the media, we see all the time that women are seen as second class, that they're not given the, the value that they should have, the respect they should have. I mean, do men really value women as much as men? Okay, but it's not true. It's not true because everything, I could sit here all day long and show you that in media and in culture, men are the idiots and the buffoons and they're always presented as such, and the women have the solutions and the women have the answers. Unless you're looking at the remake of a 1950 superhero movie, right? It's usually a woman who is the intelligent, thoughtful, sensitive one, insightful one who solves the problems. And you want to scrunch, scrunch that down into marketing firms making commercials. Look at how it plays out in a 30-second or 60-second commercial. The woman has, has everything. The man is the idiot. I think of the HP commercial. I don't know why I always think of that one, or the guy can't even plug in a printer. And, and, and the woman, of course, is going to have to explain how the world works to him. It, that is how it works. Unless it's a commercial that's on ESPN directed to men, right? You're going to have, in society, women are not demeaned. They are not, right? It's, it's a reaction. It's like a lot of things, this kind of reverse thinking that, you know, these are the victims and we're victims. We're the victim class. So that's why we have to elbow our way up. And, and I have to say, you know, I'm a woman, hear me roar, and I have to be in charge. That is a reaction, not to reality, right? It may be something in history that you don't experience, right? No one's keeping you from college. We have more college graduates that are women than men. We have more people enrolled in higher education than in, women than men. You have as many opportunities, right? But just because you can't bench press as much as a man, mm -hmm. right? Which is part of even the reflection of God's order in the physical build of men and women. Right. It does not mean that in our culture, women are demeaned. And I would say this, just to speak for the men in the world, if I'm thinking not in terms of this rivalry between men and women, men really do appreciate women. And I don't mean that in a sexual way, although they do appreciate women in a sexual way. But I'm saying there is something to godly men understanding the world is completely wrong without women being in it and without women being the the collaborative kinds of, of, of things that come from the input of females and, and the feminine side of all, all things. Men don't want to work in a world without women. They don't want to live in a world without women. And it's not because they're, they're apes and have sexual passions that they have to fulfill. I mean, they may be that in part of their lives, but that is not why, you know, most godly men would say this is a great side of life. This is a wonderful side of reality. You look at the, the nature of God, being made in the image of God. The image of God, he created a male and female. That is the expression of the image of God. And any smart, thoughtful man is going to say, I recognize that intuitively. And I tell the story about raising my kids and, and, and saying, you know, I can tell early, early on, they're not going to be gifted with celibacy and singleness. So I'm, I'm recognizing even beyond the fact that I know the context for what I'm about to recommend to them in history, because it's happened already, uh, is going to lead to romance and dating and, and engagement and marriage. But I want them to not just hang with the guys. I need them to take a girl to Starbucks and sit across the table and learn this amazing side of life 
you know, and you don't have to be on your way to, to a wedding ring. And, and that, again, I get a lot of controversy about that. I'm not gonna let my kids date in high school because we know they're not gonna get married. Fine, you can have that opinion. I don't want my kids hanging out with the golf team and with their baseball team and never having the, the opening of their minds to how great this entire side of the, of the world is, that God has created male and female. And they're amazing. And it's a different way to look at the world. Even beyond the whole, this might be someone you fall in love with and get married to. I'll forget all that. You just need to learn. The world doesn't look the way it looks with you and your buddies. And I think that most men recognize that. Men are not demonstrative. We're not expressive. We're not going to say a lot of this out loud. Mm. But that was the challenge of you bringing me here today. Right. To say that on behalf of the men of the world. Mm. Not a guy that, we're, that I work. We have 100 plus employees here, right? There's not a guy I work with that doesn't know that and wouldn't say that if I cornered them wow. and told them, yeah. you've got to tell me what you really think. They're going to say... Yes, of course. Hmm. I, I, I can't imagine the world without women and the kinds of things that that femininity and that, that female insight brings to the world. So we do appreciate it. Hmm. And the world, unfortunately, has created an animosity, an enmity, right. a hostility between men and women that, frankly, doesn't exist in the heart of most men. You may meet a he-man, right, you know, who hates women. You might find some. Great. Well, I can find way more men-haters among the outspoken militant feminists. Mm. I guarantee you that right now. I guarantee you that. Yeah. Put everything on that bet right now. Mm. We got way more women that are ready to dismiss men in part because of a false narrative that they think that men don't like women. Right. We think they're trash. Right. We think they're nothing. It's not true. We're not very good at expressing all that. Have you noticed that? We're not great at right. saying all of that. Right. And, and we don't like to talk much at all, frankly. <laughs> Right. But that's what we think. Right. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging. Um, a little different than I think what we would have come into this thinking, you know, about the way that you as men appreciate us and value us and, you know, see the difference that we bring to the table. Um, think of, for instance, here, and, and this again, this may seem chauvinistic and sexist and all the rest, but you set me up for this <laughs> event, so... <laughs> When you read in scripture, things that are so natural mm. in terms of how things usually play out, the motivation of men to do much of what they do is motivated by the affirmation of women in their environment and in their world, wow. which is not just showing off, it's not just peacock feathers and strutting, it's the true sense of the affirmation of a female is an amazing fuel and catalyst for doing what men do, wow. right? the, the world, if it were all men and, and, and humans, you know, more men dropped off of trees and populated the world, we wouldn't have iPhones and computers or skyscrapers. You know, we just, I, I don't know, that's an overstatement, but I just don't think that would be the case. I remember you guys studying through 1 Samuel, and I think it was 1 Samuel 17 or 18, David gets back from defeating the Philistines, and it says the women came together, and they danced with tambourines and joy, and they sang, Saul has killed his thousands, David is ten thousands. That natural connection of the affirmation of those women joyfully with the feminine thing they bring to reality, cheering David on for being what he is. I know how David felt. Right? And, and it's why, at least traditionally, we had women cheering at a football game while guys were tearing down the, the, the field. Mm. And, and, and there's something about that connection of being motivated and propelled. If, if God took all the women out of the world right now 
And I'm not just talking about the, the, the ape men of the world. Good and godly men would be deflated by that because you bring something to the table that motivates, bring something to the table that encourages, that affirms. Mm. And, and that's why your words of affirmation are so important. Yeah. You know, your statements of affirmation, your expressions of affirmation, they're so important mm. to pushing every environment where men are to the next level. Mm. It's a good thing. It's a godly thing. Wow. Well, um, I mean, that seems easy in a sense to just choose to be encouraging and affirming to the men in our life rather than difficult. Uh, but sometimes I think maybe you men don't realize all the things that we have to deal with. I mean, you don't have a Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 list. I mean, we got to stay up all night. We got to get up at the crack of dawn. We got to make our own clothes, make our own pies. We got to sell the stuff. We got to bring in the money. We got to take care of the kids. I mean, when you look at that as a pastor and as a man, how would you advise us? Well, listen, that passage was given as a, as a praise for one guy saying, look at this wife of mine. And all of those things, I guarantee you, and I, I, can, I, and I can't speak for all the men in the world, because there are some weirdo men. <laughs> but I speak for 90% of them. Okay. Okay? When you look at a list like that, there are certain things that, as we read it, jumps off the page and gives us a different reaction than when you read it. Mm. When you guys read Proverbs 31, you're making a to-do list of all the things you don't do well, things right. you got to do and stress out and do. Now I got to buy a field and make my own clothes and, yep. you know, all of that. Okay? <laughs> We read passages like, right, she does him good all the days of her life. Mm. Or the passage I think is before that. Right? After. She's clothed, with, she's clothed with strength and dignity. Mm -hmm. And in the ESV translates it, she laughs at the days to come. Which I don't care for that translation because I don't think this is kind of a ha 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 ha. It's, it's, uh, the, the NIV translates it, she smiles at the future. Mm. That positive sense of strength and dignity isn't standing there like a, like a cleaning agent commercial with a mop in her hand with a sparkling floor, right? right? Which is how you might picture that right. passage, right? We're picturing it as she clothes herself with strength and dignity, right? And she smiles at the future. Mm. She's not afraid. She's not, she's not mopey. She's not a negative, oh, woe is me. Mm. Think of the passage when Jesus has Martha and Mary there and contrasts these two sisters. Right? And she, he says to Martha, 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 which again, Jesus doesn't stutter. So this is a statement right. of like really like right. Martha. Yeah. Right? Yes. You, can, you can read it that way. You're worried and troubled about so many things. Mm. Okay? Now I know Jesus in that passage is trying to teach something about Mary choosing the better part, which is to be at the feet of Jesus and he's the Messiah and all the rest. Right. But I guarantee you when Andrew's standing around and Philip's standing around and Peter's standing around, they still are thinking, Martha, Martha, I'd rather hang out with Mary. Right. Right? Because right. Mary isn't stressed out. Mm. Remember the passage? There's a couple of them, and, and I think there's three of them in the Proverbs that talk about, you know, why men build man caves. Uh, talks about living, in, I'd rather live in the corner of a roof, mm. right, than with a quarrelsome woman. I'd rather live in a desert than the constant dripping of the, of the quarrelsome woman and the fretful woman. Mm. I think that's a good line, the fretful woman. Right. The, the, the counter distinction of Proverbs 31 and the passage that men love 
the verse they love out of that, mm -hmm. that she smiles at the future. She's positive. Mm -hmm. She's enthusiastically positive. Even when things are hard, she's wow. positive. She's joyful. Mm -hmm. She looks at the future because she's strong and dignified. Mary doesn't look like a strong, dignified woman. Right. She looks like a troubled and worried woman, worried about so many things, right? I can tell you, speaking on behalf of 90% of the men in the world, we don't like that. Right. We don't like it at all. Even if you check off nine of the 10 boxes in Proverbs 31, because I got my house clean and I bought a field today and I turned a profit and my kids are clothed well and everyone's in bed on time. We'd much rather have our kids not bed on, uh, to bed on time. We'd rather not get the dinner on the table. We'd rather have a lot of things not in place and have a joyful, happy, cheerful wife who smiles at tomorrow and doesn't sit at the dinner table and go, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be terrible. <laughs> right. And, and we don't want that. Mm. We don't like that in coworkers. We right. don't like that in our friends. Mm. We don't like that in our wives. Right. We don't want it in our daughters and we don't want it in our mothers. Mm. We don't want that. And unfortunately, women take Proverbs 31 and give themselves fuel to be worried and troubled about so many things. Right. That man, I assure you, had a wife who writes that in Proverbs 31. Lemuel, I think, is the author of that passage, right? And, and he praises her. And I bet if I came in with a white glove to look at the house that she's in and talk about what kind of profit did she really turn here? Was it really? He's doing what everyone does when they're really happy with a woman. Mm. They look past all the bad stuff. Right. They exaggerate the good stuff. Mm. Why? Because she's a happy person. And it gets back again to that simple non-Christian statement, happy wife, happy life. Wow. The writer of Proverbs 31 is a happy husband. His life is happy in part because she looks at the future with, with joy. She, she's not afraid. She's not anxious. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard though because... It is hard, it's isn't it? Not, that's not... It seems so unrealistic. I mean, we're trying Not. to take care of kids and there's all the problems out there in the world, things that are being shoved down their throats in public schools. I mean, all the ideologies coming into our culture. I mean, maybe we need to just inform you of how bad Thank it really you. is. Yes, that's what we need. <laughs> the men in your world need you to tell them all the bad things going on in the world. Get no, you you've got it. That's the perspective that we all need. imploding and falling yep. apart. Post more bad stuff on Facebook. Tell us more truth. Troubled, problems at dinner, that'd be perfect. That'd be great. That's exactly what I was getting at. <laughs> Listen, if everything that you fear and everything you post about online, that by the way, makes us look at your Facebook page and go, whoa, <laughs> don't want to be married to her. Right, right. I hate to say it, right. but I'm speaking for 90% of the men in the world. Right. Okay. Even if it all came true, yeah. even if every single thing fell apart, and the government was anti-Christian and started locking up your pastors and putting them in stocks in Philippian dungeons, I think we should then be really worried and troubled about so many things, right? Did you see what I did there? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Paul and Silas are in a Philippian jail, and what are they doing, right? They're clothed with strength and dignity, and they're smiling at the future, wow. and they're singing songs of praise to God. Right. in stocks locked wow. up. If everything you post about to get us all upset and everything you want to share with your husband at dinner tonight that would be absolutely, if this happens, you don't understand, right? right? Right. And all of it came true. I'm just saying, then I guess we can live worried and troubled about so many things. Mm. Or do we still live like Christians mm. and say, you know what? We smile at the future. Wow. If everything in my life falls apart, 
if everyone I love dies, if everything I have gets diseased, if everything I own I lose, wouldn't it be better to have people in my life that were joyful? Wouldn't it be better to have someone that is positive and cheerful and optimistic? Mm. And yet we make a, a, a sport out of seeing the negative side of things. Uh-huh. Right? You can have, as my old pastor said in premarital counseling, you can have, and he said it to me probably, you can have a nice, beautiful Porsche parked in the driveway, right? And if you're not careful, all you're gonna see is the scratch on the fender. Hmm. You're gonna miss what's there. Wow. We got stuff in our culture that is definitely alarming. I get it. Right. But we're not supposed to live as alarmed people. Jesus said, in the end of time, there's gonna be wars and rumors of wars. Be ready for that. Famines, earthquakes breaking out. Do not be troubled. Mm. I, I just think that right. is the key. You want to make the men in your world happy, and I'm not just talking about your husbands. You right. Make your parents happy. You want to make your kids happy. You want to make the men that you work with happy. Be a joyful person. Wow. Don't be weighted down and troubled with all those things. Mm. Do we not care? Make decisions. Paul did not want to be in prison. Right. Paul wanted to get out. He didn't want anybody else to go to prison. But in prison, he writes the Philippians and says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Hmm. Let your forbearing spirit be made known to all. The Lord is near. Hmm. That's a guy in prison. Wow. The Lord is near. Yeah. And I think a lot of women have an acceptable sin of not believing God, not trusting God, not believing in the presence of God, being worried and troubled about so many things. Hmm. When the men meet for men's Bible study and the sins that are the, the proclivities for them come up. They bow their head in shame, they seek accountability, and they feel bad about their lust and their pornography. They feel bad about all of that. Why? Because that's an unacceptable sin, okay? Right. But you guys have a penchant for sin that the Bible brings up when it starts talking about women. Worry, anxiety, fear, trepidation, troubled and worried about so many things. And you guys go, oh, could you pray for me because I'm anxious, I'm worried. Well, I don't understand, right? right? You, wanna, you want the men's perspective on things? Could you take your sins that you have a weakness toward, take them as seriously as you want the men to take their sins? Take that seriously. Because you know what? It does just as much damage to your marriage and your relationship with men as that does, wow. right? When your husband's torn up in pornography, it does the same kind of damage that you coming home at the dinner table telling us about all the terrible things in life and how awful it's going to be. And it really often has a kind of, of correspondence to your intelligence. And I know you feel good about that because yeah. you see the ditzy blonde, quote unquote, who doesn't, you know, she thinks everything is great. And that's why all the guys like her, right? Because she's a ditz, <laughs> right? But you're smart right. so that you can point out the 25 things that are going to go wrong this week. Right. Stop it, mm. right? Paul was smarter than you are. Yeah. And had more to be worried about in his society than you do. Yeah. Had more personal friends that were being, was suffering, including himself, being stoned and run out of town. And yet he could sit there and sing psalms in the dungeon and he could be joyful. And he could write letters saying, be joyful if you're worried. No, 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 don't be worried. Don't be worried about anything. Pray about everything. Right. That's, that is the challenge hmm. of the females in this room because hmm. you are more prone to this right. than the average guy. Hmm. Can't speak for all the guys because some guys are as worried as you are. But I'll bet there's five women telling him how worried they should be. Well, training right. him to be worried. Right. Right. right? So... I just think we need to take the acceptable sins that women have seriously. It's because you're, you know. Yeah, that's hard for us. I, I mean, how do we do that? Especially when we're responsible for our kids and we have so much love for so many people, our family members, and we just see so much potential negativity and harm. I, I mean, how, how do we 
live in a way with a positive, joyful, hopeful attitude. Give see, us see the damage that the opposite has. See the damage that the opposite has on your life. Mm. It's not good. Right. Okay? You're not an idiot to choose joy mm. when you could be depressed. Mm. You're not an idiot to choose to rejoice when you got reasons to be afraid. Mm. Right? Look at every situation of the women that are held, held up as strong, go back to my passage, right? She clothed herself with strength and dignity. She laughs at the days to come. Yeah. Um, Abigail, you studied Abigail and Nabal, right? Yep. You may say, I got a lot of reason to be really depressed because I'm married to an idiot like Nabal, okay? Mm -hmm. The men in my life are all idiots like Nabal. Right. God can deal with the idiots in your life. Right? Did you study the passage? We did. And what was Abigail? She was clothed with dignity and strength. Mm. And she comes out and she deals with the problem and she deals with David. And you know what? If she was just some kind of businesswoman and she's just going to come out there and she's saying all the terrible things, David never would have come back and said, I want you to marry me. I want you to be my wife. Wow. This woman had to be the woman clothed with strength and dignity who smiles at the future. Mm. Right? God took care of Nabal. And, and she ends up becoming this attractive woman to David, not just physically, which she's described as such. I understand that, but I guarantee you, a lot of men are going to pass on an attractive woman with a bad attitude. Mm. But here is a woman with a good attitude. Same with Esther, right? Esther had plenty of reasons to be down. Yeah. And, and she was told, no, you're, you're, you're here for a time like this. Mm. And she clothed, she clothed herself with strength and dignity. Mm. And she smiles at the future. And God gives her that whole opportunity to change the course of history for the Jews. Mm. Um, Ruth, yeah. right, lost everything. Mm. She's a widow. She's dealing with her mother whose name is bitterness, right. right? And she's like, I'm with you, man. I'll travel wherever you want to travel. I'm with you wherever you want to go. Wow. Go to Bethlehem. I'll go to Bethlehem with you, right? right? And then she sits there and wins the heart of Boaz mm. and becomes, you know, the, 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 the uh, patriarch, the matriarch of, of King David. Wow. And I'm just saying all those women have plenty of reason to be on their Facebook pages posting terrible things. Right. Right. But instead they clothe themselves with strength and dignity. They smile at the future as the NIV translates it. And that is the most attractive thing hmm. and the best thing you could ever do. They're not stupid. Are you hmm. going to tell me any of those women are stupid? Hmm. They're described as intelligent. Right. And specifically uh, Abigail, an intelligent woman. I, I just, we need to recognize the power Mm. of the positivity, the cheerfulness, the optimism, the joy, that changes everything. What do you do? Go to all, every sermon I've ever preached on worry and anxiety. Go look it up, pastormike.com, do the search, and when you pull those sermons up, if I stood on this platform or the platform I used to preach on and I'm preaching about those issues, I guarantee you the gender I've got in view, 80% of my brain is the women in the room. So you want to know how to defeat anxiety and, and worry, right. it's all those passages, yeah. right? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. How's your prayer life? Make your desires known to God. Pray with thanksgiving. All of those kinds of things hmm. can change the way that you approach the negativity. And speaking of Facebook, let me take a shot at Facebook because you did that last year, did you not? We did. I didn't get to hear it. You preached on that. Social media, right? yeah. You, you want to see one of the things that just makes women a mess? Hmm. Trolling Facebook. Right. 
I'd gotten zero response from this crowd. Yeah. <laughs> there were no amens to that. Right. Okay? I don't mind if you want to use Facebook. Thank you. I don't care if you want to use Facebook to you know, post good things God's doing. That's great. But as people scroll through and click and click, none of that's real anyway, you realize. And you get depressed and down and your life's not even close to her life. Stop it. Just mm. stop it. It does no good. It lets you sit at the dinner table and go about, well, you know, Jenny did this and Kim did that. And did you hear about, stop. Right. We don't want to hear any of that anyway. Right. We don't care. Yeah. Right. We'd like to come and just have an, an enjoyable evening mm. after a long day of work. That, that's what we need. And, and, and every person, I was just thinking that through just this week, there's so many things that make all the difference. And it usually falls into the category of that good attitude. Mm. And that's, I know that's hard. I know it's hard. Right, right. But we need that. Yeah, well, that's good. I, I hear what you're saying, but just to re-clarify, um, you know, we do look at Facebook and social media and we do see pictures, you know, a lot of images and a lot of us are very visual and we see other people's families. It looks like they have these great marriages, perfect kids. They're on these awesome vacations, they have better clothes, uh, they're getting their hair done, their nails done, and you know, sometimes we go home to uh, maybe disobedient husbands or you know, kids who aren't being obedient or you know, uh, challenging finances, uh, challenging relationship, health issues, and we just feel like that can't be true for us. We can't be held to the same standard as those who have such easy, simple, great lives. But go back to my favorite verse in Proverbs 31. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She smiles at the future. Right. All of that that you described is doing nothing but erode that possibility, that envy. Right, again, it's another acceptable sin for you to sit there and click through things, which is none of it's real. Right? I'd love to show you all the pictures that didn't get posted from that family right? Right. and all the arguments that took place on that vacation right. and the credit card bill that comes in after the vacation and that they can't pay <laughs> right. and the fight that they have over how much they spent. All of that you don't see. Right? Right. You see this false narrative on, on Facebook. But what it leaves you with is that kind of the grass is greener on the other side. Their life is better than mine. Her life has got to be better than my life. And it's nonsense. When, when, when Sarah, even if it's true, Sarah had a husband, yeah. Abraham, that was being a bit like Nabal, mm. an idiot. And, right. and here is the example in First Peter. She did the kind of thing she was supposed to do. She was positive toward her husband, which is more than just a statement of submission, calling him Lord. In other words, she calls him curios, which is she has a respectful, positive attitude toward her husband without being frightened by any fear. Mm. What you described to me as you described jealousy and envy and the grass is greener on the other side is nothing other than a kind of fear. It's in the category of fear. And that's just got to stop. I mean, and whatever feeds that in your life, whether it's magazines, whether it's the gossip on the phone with your friend, whether it's, you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is, you've got to cut it back and cut it out because we, we, that is the problem. That is what is causing so much trouble in your relationship with guys. It just is. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I know the message that a lot of us are hearing is that if there's any pain or suffering or challenging situations in our life, it's our responsibility to knock it out. I mean, we can't just sit there and, you know, be a quote unquote doormat or allow difficulty to come in our life. And if we do, it's our fault. I mean, we have no one to blame but ourselves. It's God's fault. Think about it. That is God's fault. 
And I'll say that because God has made it very clear in Genesis 3, here is how the world's going to work. Mm. You're going to have relational problems. You're going to have health problems. You're going to die. You have problems at work. All that's my promise to you. Mm. Right? God says that's the, that's the current dispensation and the current reality of where we live. So when all that stuff happens, you could sing, great is thy faithfulness. Why? Because God's keeping his promises. Mm. God is keeping his promises for you to have trouble. Right? He's a <laughs> yeah. faithful God. He said he'd cause you trouble. Mm. He's causing you trouble. Right. right. Why does he do that? Because this world is not what it's about. He's making you hungry for home, which is not in this world. And it's right. not a house in Nelligale, right? right? The world that he has for us is in a different place. It's got a house in Nelligale. That's great. I'm not, I'm not bashing Nelligale. Mm. I wouldn't mind living in Nelligale. Right. But what I'm saying is the idea of us seeing that this world is not our home, mm. right? The, the, the Hebrews chapter 11, we are aliens and strangers here. That's because we have sin. We have death. We have problems. We have, we have, we have ailments. We're going to die. There's cancer. There's divorce. There's financial problems. All that is going to be a part of it. And when Paul and Silas are praising God at midnight yeah. and writing letters to tell people to be joyful, mm. right? It's not because God is out of control, right? They're not pulling into the parking lot of Benny Hinn down the street going, well, can you fix my life? Right. Because right? this is what God has destined for us, mm. right? He is, he's granted to you not only to have faith in Jesus Christ, but also to suffer in his name. That's the promise, right? Wow. He's granted that to you. Yeah. So we're going to have trouble. So just recognize this. If you're going to go on a backpack trip with me, I'm, we're going to go to the high Sierras, we're going to go repelling, we're going to go REI, we're going to get all the tools, we're going to get the carbiners, we're going to get the rope, we're going to get the gloves, we're going to get the helmets, off we're going to go. And you get in the van and you ride with me to the high Sierras because we're going to go do this big backpacking five-day trip up into the mountains. You don't expect it to be the Ritz-Carlton, mm. right? Yeah. You know what you signed up for. And even if you're a non-Christian, you should wake up to the fact that you didn't sign up for the Ritz-Carlton because the life, life is not that. Mm. And in the Christian life, it's even worse. The hill is even steeper. The mountains we're repelling off are even higher. Non-Christians have to suffer with financial problems and relational problems and all the rest too. Right. So let's just stop thinking everything's going to be perfect. Mm. Let's recognize it's not going to be perfect in this life. God right. has made us for another life. As C.S. Lewis said, if we have desires that cannot possibly be fulfilled in this life, God must have created us for another life. And that's not a pie-in-the-sky stooge writing that. Some right. Sunday school graduate, that's C.S. Lewis. He knew the realities of what the Bible says and what we face in this world. He's a way deeper thinker than all of us. Mm. And, and he's saying, this is not the world we were made for. So I think we just need to stop fretting. Right. I mean, if you take nothing else out of this other perspective, just know how distasteful it is to be Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about so many things. Right. Just pretend to be joyful and watch what happens. Wow. It might catch on. Right. And every guy in your life is going to love it, hmm. I assure you. Right. Wow. Well, that's encouraging because that's something we can all make a choice to do. I mean, we can sit before God in our heart right now and say, I am going to make a choice to be a joyful person, to turn aside from that worry and fretting and comparing and greed and envy and all those things. Uh, is if you, let's say you are asked, I'm asking you to, on behalf of the men here at Compass, on behalf of the men in our community, uh, the pastors here, what, what would you say, if you could do these three things as women, what would they be? What three things would you like to see us do? I mean, just to summarize, a positive outlook is, okay. I think, the number one thing. Okay. Okay? Affirmation mm -hmm. goes a million miles. Okay. Guys aren't asking for it, generally speaking. They need it. 
They want it. What if we feel like there's nothing to affirm? <laughs> and, and this is morbid and awful, but I've been in marital counseling where that is the response. Right. And I say, if he died in a car accident on the way home, mm-hmm. and his dresser was full of his clothes, and his car was parked in the garage, and his golf clubs were in the corner, mm-hmm. and all the things you thought you had nothing to be thankful for, I bet you'd find something to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. I bet if you did, if God took him away. Totally. So every man in your life that's there and breathing, there's something to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. So I think the affirmation, you're going to have to find something. Right. Hey, you're upright and walking. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. 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 I, I love that about you. Right. <laughs> that, would, that, that would be a good place to start. Mm. Yeah. And, and just to know that guys often, I don't know, they, they don't say a lot of what they want and need. Mm. And, and not that they want to be peppered with questions. They don't. They really, I mean, they don't. Right. Don't go home and, what do you need? What do you want? What do you need? Right. That's, that's, that's not going to be it. You're just going to have to, you're going to have to just recognize they're, they're really, really simple. Right. right? They don't need much. Mm. They're not going to ask for much either, probably. Um, but they, that positive, optimistic, affirming life is, is I guess if I was going to add another to-do on it, I'd just be to pray for these guys. Mm. Pray for them. Right. Pray for them that God would give them joy, that God mm. would give them peace. You know, and, and you may feel like, a, you know, that oh, this is a chauvinistic. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't care. I mean, your life's going to be happier mm. with a guy that, you know, even if you're not married, with the guys in your life being happy, productive people. Pray for them. Right. How can we be a benefit to you and the other pastors here at Compass? Be positive, affirming, and pray for me. <laughs> okay. That's so easy. That's it. Yeah. See how simple we are? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that it really An occasional is, Abba's Abba bar. That's all I need. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's amazing because it's so easy and yet at the same time, it's so hard. We have to grate against some of our tendencies uh, to be that. And yet this is, all, this is doable for all of us. So we really appreciate you coming out here and spending this time with us. And well, we'll see how the small groups go. (laughs) I'm sure that we have time for small groups today. Yes, we do. Yes. We're only six minutes over. That's the scary part. Yeah. 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 We'll see how that goes. Yeah, totally. But we definitely appreciate barbecued pastor for, for brunch. (laughs) No, no. I mean, really you, I know that there's, you know, much more you could have said, and you made it very concise and easy for us. And, you know, if we could just go home and have a good attitude and be positive around the men in our life and be encouraging, be affirming and pray for those men, I think that our whole church would have a different tone. So I appreciate that very much. Um, I'm going to close us in prayer and then you guys are dismissed to your groups after we pray. Thank you, Pastor Mike. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together here as the women of Compass this morning and to hear from Pastor Mike about the other perspective. 
God, I think for a lot of us, uh, this was probably different than what we were anticipating. Um, sometimes we're looking for, you know, a list of things to do and not to do, or, you know, the, the lineup that we see in Proverbs 31, but to really focus on being women who are joyful, positive, upbeat uh, women because we have a hope a hope in you, Lord God, uh, that is something that we really want to become experts in. And God, I pray for myself and for every lady here, God, that your Holy Spirit would work with us, that you would help us to confess our sin when we see it, when we have these uh, sinful, anxious, uh, stressed out, fearful thoughts coming into our minds and hearts, that we would remember the example that Pastor Mike gave us of Paul and Silas there rejoicing in a prison cell. God, I don't know how we've drifted from that, but we feel justified in being bitter and complaining and fearful and fretful about our circumstances. And we pray, God, that you would forgive us. God, that you would help us truly to live in a way where we would model out the fact that we are women who truly believe that there's a coming kingdom, and our hope is not in this place, but it's in the life to come. God, I pray that you would help us to be affirming towards all the men in our lives, uh, our husbands, our fathers, our sons, uh, our pastors here at church, our co-workers, the men in our community, that we would be women who are constantly bringing positive and encouraging words, knowing how much of a difference that can make. And God, I pray that we would also be women who pray, who talk to you about all of these things continually trusting in you to help us to make us better and better women who are more effective tools in your hands, especially uh, in being encouraging and working alongside the men that you've graced us with. And God, I do pray that we would be women who uh, listen to the men in our lives, who would talk to them, who would seek their input on uh, different things, many things, and that we would uh, really take their perspective into consideration. God, I thank you for our church. I thank you again for every lady represented here. We thank you most of all for your son, Jesus Christ, who took the penalty of our sin, including every fearful, anxious, worrisome thought, action, motive that we've ever had, and nailed those things to the cross. God, if it were not for him, we would be absolutely bankrupt and hopeless we thank you, God, that not only did he take our sins, but he gave us his righteousness. And when you look at us, Lord, you see someone who is holy, blameless, righteous. You call us saints of God. Lord, we thank you so much for that. And we will continue to always pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are dismissed to your groups.